Hello friends, I'm Ratu Lung and welcome to the Contemplative Tribal Podcast. Today's episode is a candid conversation on change, transitions and courage with Azina Pamay Marak, who joins me all the way from Laos in Southeast Asia. We talk about how sometimes we go through unexpected turns in our life that pulls us away, sometimes painfully, from our dreams. And if we are all being honest, I think we all have gone through that experience one time or another in our lives. I hope this episode encourages your heart and motivates you to be brave as you navigate the wide open sea of your life. To make the most of your life even when you find yourself in a strange place. All you have got is here. All you have got is now. Hi Azina, it's so good to connect with you again after a long time. Yes, it is really nice to connect with you again too. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Perhaps we we can open our conversation with a bit of introduction uh, from your end. Uh, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Zina, and um, I'm married to Chengnang from Garo Tribe, and we have a little daughter. She is one year and six months now, and we are living in Xiangkong Province in the country of Laos. Um, if you have heard of the Plain of Jars, that's where we are. Um, that's just 15 minutes drive away from where we live. And so Laos is a very small country, like landlocked between Myanmar and Vietnam, Thailand, and a bit of China up north. And so we're doing coffee here. It sounds like there's been a lot of things happening at your end, and a lot of transitions, a lot of changes, if I may say so. Because the last I remember you were on your way to pursue music as a career. And as far as I'm concerned, I thought you were a fantastic musician. I guess that was part of the reason why I thought I should talk with you on the podcast, as I know that you are a rising artist for a generation in contemporary music among the Zilangrong. As of now, you're not able to actively pursue those lines of interest, right? I mean, music production and um, your music ministry. So how are you doing with all these changes? Changes has been crazy. And uh, yeah, it's been a very, I would say, beautifully crazy. Uh, but by far, this has been the most difficult change I've ever had to face because uh, music was my identity. And people knew me for music and, and I knew myself for music. And that was all I did from sunrise to sundown. And there were just too many works to be done in that aspect. Uh, I'm talking about our place, um, Tamenglong especially in our churches in Temenglong, where we find people, young and old, very active and interested in choir and singing. And so it saddened me to know that there seemed to be nobody who's, who studied church music professionally. Well, maybe there could be, but maybe, but, um, but I, I don't know, because I didn't see. Um, uh, people responded positively to the little that I had, and and was willing to share. I was turningly passionate about it, and I thought this was what God had for me, and I wanted to go ahead with further studies in church music. Um, I simply couldn't think of anything apart from music. And so realizing that I have to uproot myself from this deep obsession was an unacceptable uh, reality initially, and it was like abandoning your very own someone or something you just couldn't do without. I saw the bigger picture of life, um, meaning the purpose and the reason why I had to forsake. And um, it totally made sense to me, but it was hard to accept. 
it still is some days even now but slowly and gradually um, and eventually I think I'm pulling the strands of roots to grow afresh in this reality of present and embracing uh, the exciting uncertainties of everyday life that this place has to offer. It's only practical that way. And, um, and I think God would want me to be, to be that way too. Yeah. And so obviously change is never exciting for anyone. If it has to be a shift from known to unknown, from comforts to adjustments and from being secure to feeling insecure, you know, it's not all bad, but you know, this place Laos being a place of a totally different setup, doing music here is just impossible. If you listen to Lao music on internet, you'll know how 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 different it is. So, but with the but with this, the biggest thing I learned is being able to become nobody and giving up all I love and dream and have dreamt of, and it totally challenged my pride and ego and humility so much. But I'm so glad I've come to terms with it, and I'm I'm very grateful that I got to go through this challenge because it has taught me the depth of emptying oneself for the sake of something bigger. In doing so, it gave me a glimpse of how Christ had to forsake the the glory of kingship to be, to becoming nothing and nobody. It definitely has uh, made me become a stronger and better human being than who I was yesterday. So I'm up for more transitions, actually. And it looks like this path that we have chosen is going to be full of transitions. And 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 we cannot explain. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I say we cannot plan and we cannot settle also. And so we're just living life one day at a time with faith. And, and this is very exciting. So you've been in Laos for some time now. Just tell us a few things about Laos. Uh, for as as far as I'm concerned, I had a friend from Laos who is a really cool person. You know, the kind that can totally vibe with a tribal person like like us. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I don't really know that much about Laos. So what's cool about Laos, and how's the food there? Um, yes, I have been here in Laos for about three years now. And Laos, like you said, it's a it's a very very cool country, and the population is sparse with uh, just about seven million people in the whole country. So when we remember how traffics are like in India, it's unbelievably empty here. So the interesting thing um, uh, being that even if there are no vehicle at sight, the lone vehicle would you know, standing in the corner would still wait for the green light. And and I'm sure it's the same there in Edinburgh or, or in different parts of the world. But coming from India, I'm just feeling very strange about it. So <clears throat> do you know that Laos is the most heavily bombed place in the history of the world? 270 million bombs have been dropped during the Vietnam War with Xiangquang, um, the place where we are staying, being the hotspot. And so even to this day, there are bombs being unearthed. And so it still poses a great uh, threat and danger to people living around here, actually. Um, but one international organization, namely MAG, M-A-G, is um, coming and taking the initiative of checking and clearing it every day in different parts of, uh, of Xiangquang. Um, but despite having through all of that, Lao people are very happy and hospitable and they're very caring and sharing. Their community life is very, very strong. They look out for each other and um, 
they love beer <laughs> and partying and Lao, Lao people eat sticky rice a staple food and it smells very divine it smells so good and in it and also it tastes so good they love noodles too and uh, what Vietnam people would call it paw they call it pho here and 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 they love eating that too. And the variety of vegetables aren't too far from what we eat back at home. We get every kind of mushrooms that we get back home, every kind of bamboo shoots, including the fermented bamboo shoot and all this, you know, it's so much a part of their culture. And so um, it helped me big time to settle here and feel at home. As I was researching about this place that you're living, I found out that uh, there's believed to be trade relations between Xiang Kuang, I don't know how I'm pronouncing yeah, that yeah. correctly or wow. not. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so there seems to be, have been uh, trade relations between Xiang Kuang and even northeast part of India, like North Kachara Hills, apparently, uh-huh. during the first century BC, like it's a long time back. Oh, I see. And of course, you mentioned the bombing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, as you also mentioned earlier when we were talking, the Vietnam War, yes. the so called Ho Chi Minh trials, mm-hmm. trails rather. Yeah. And I think the quiet, untold suffering, right, that people have gone through. I think there's is a story of resilience and toughness, and a story that is not often known by many people exactly. around the world. Mm-hmm. Certainly by by us in the northeast. So yeah, thanks for bringing that out in the comment. So we we I follow you on Instagram, and I noticed that you've been learning and speaking the language quite well, right? And I was very impressed. Yeah. I think one of the biggest transition we can possibly go through is to literally go to another place, learn the language, learn to speak like them, think like them, live like them. I'm terrible with new languages, wow. so that's really cool that you're doing that. <laughs> My husband is terrible in new languages too. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know I'm not the only one. So I guess nothing like a smack to our self-focused ethnocentric worldview to uproot and to build new roots in other country another culture don't you think so well well um speaking of uh, being ethnocentric i think i'm very ethnocentric too um but um, yeah because we are very proud of our roots right yeah so coming to the language um i just had to learn because one cannot adapt to a new place and culture without communication um i thought i won't be able to ever speak um i don't know um it was really hard initially because I had to start from scratch. But after having achieved some level of being able to speak, uh, I'm very grateful I learned it. Um, it has bridged me to the world. And I'm not very good at it yet. I'm still learning. And I think it is very, very vital and very important that one needs to learn the language and culture of the place where uh, we are staying Um it means respect to the other culture, and it is also a responsibility towards oneself. Um, our tribal people sometimes, like I said, I'm not excluding myself, tend to become so proud of our roots and origin that we don't want to compromise when we go to other culture. Um, like especially, you know, our, our tribal friends living in Indian cities where we're not willing to compromise with the food we eat. Um, and with the norms and behaviors that uh, that some of us have, when it's totally unacceptable, which could be um, which could turn out disrespectful to other culture, and and we eventually becoming victims in one way or the other. You see, so so it is is it's really important that that um, we remember that we live in other people's place and not our own, and we cannot we we it's not. Uh, we can't always have a way. <laughs> so, 
So, yeah, it's really important. Um, Lao culture is very beautiful and and beautiful and surprisingly, along with some similarities in food, there are also similarities in beliefs and taboos with our tribal people back at home. And similarities even with some particular words, like for example, matchstick. We call it machiet in our dialect, and they call it maike. And so that's pretty close, right? So um, it was refreshing and kind of assuring to know all of these similarities. Um, but you know, it's it's undeniable that we feel so alone a lot of times. It is true that um, it is true when you said about um, uh, one of the biggest transition to be totally transformed to being like them it is hard sometimes because we all grew up in a christian community and to find only monks and temples uh, is quite different and lao women seem to adore the trend of adorning themselves and making themselves look beautiful by any means and so facial surgeries and and Botox and all of these makeup accessories are a very big deal here. Uh, one of my friends was once told that uh, she would become she would become beautiful if she redo her nose. <laughs> so, uh, so that that's funny. Um, <clears throat> so some factors are crazy, and uh, not to forget the drinking and partying culture that I mentioned before. Uh, it's a pain to see the children just sitting and waiting for their parents to finish singing and dancing, and so. But on the brighter side, Lao people are so polite and they're very respectful and very well-mannered too. They don't honk on the road, they don't stare, and mm-hmm. they don't fight when, even when their vehicles would collide with each other. And so they're very friendly and peace-loving people who are just willing to give, compromise, love, and share and care. And so all of these beautiful attributes are just helping us to settle down better. So I would like to just move back to the topic of transitions in life mm-hmm. and just accepting changes that comes in our life. And I think I hinted earlier that I initially thought I wanted to, to bring you on this episode to talk about your musical career and talk about your experiences in songwriting and all that. Yes. Which, by the way, I think is already important, solid and substantial. I think you have two albums and you've got music videos and yeah, considerable legacy among our people and even beyond. But as we chatted, and as you know, I realized that more, even probably more than that, the topic of transitions and change in your life is emerging as more relevant and for me. And I'm, I know that it will be for everyone else too. So let's just talk about that and reflect on that a little bit more yeah, sure. if you're okay with it. Sure. And mm. uh, yeah, obviously, like you said, transitions are never easy. Uh, me and Vime as well, we have gone through massive transitions ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like you guys, we moved from one country to another and then to another. And regardless of what it is about, uh, transitions are always painful. Yes. But true. I think it is also incredibly a courageous thing to be able to accept changes exactly. and transitions in life. Mm-hmm. I think one could mope around and be completely paralyzed by feelings of regret and nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But it takes a lot of willpower and maturity to get up and to face what life throws us, throws at us, right? Exactly. So to embrace and work with what God brings along our path. Mm-hmm. And I think this feelings of like, man, I what if, you know, regrets, I think this is something everybody goes through regard, regardless of whether you think of yourself as successful or otherwise. Yeah. And But it takes courage to move beyond those feelings, mm-hmm. you know, and to embrace the road or the spaces that God takes you to. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm sure you have something to say about that as well. What do you, any comment or anything you'd like to add? Yeah. Uh, yes, I totally agree. You know, it takes massive courage to be able to uh, to accept um, and embrace actually the divine master plan and and the transitions and changes that life has to um, has to bring upon us. And uh, I'm reminded of a verse in Isaiah in chapter 55 that says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I'm just realizing that being so true in my life, or rather our life, um, um, there's been quite a crazy series of transitions um, uh, from leaving my family and my place um, to Meilong my culture and um, everything I used to know to uh, becoming a Garo and going to Tura and, and, and living there. And then coming to Laos and becoming a Lao uh, and, and then becoming a mother and learning about coffee. <laughs> it's been very crazy actually, but um, I can understand how you guys must be feeling too with all the transitions you have to make. It's always painful. Saying goodbyes are never easy embracing a brand new uh, uncertain thing is is never easy and, and it's not always fun um, but I have to admit that there were days <clears throat> when it was like you said completely paralyzed by feelings of nostalgia this hit me hard a lot of times but especially on the occasion of Erala's um, arrival my daughter's arrival mm. uh, it was totally rewarding of course but to be a first-time parent you know what i mean in a foreign place with no one to sincerely guide and care anytime when we need was um confusingly thrilling and painful and scary because you know we don't want to make any mistakes on this one google sure. was all we could turn to and we were really grateful for right. google and and the fact that it's got a lot of resources and informations and we had a choice to even go back home and be where loved ones are, but choosing to stay amidst some of these challenge challenges gave so much of peace in our hearts because we know that this is where he planned for us to be. And uh, it sure was a fight, you know, to stay calm and have faith and be at peace. It was not easy at all. But uh, sure enough, God's grace has always been sufficient, uh, not just in this aspect, but in every matter and aspects. Yeah. So we're living in our ninth house. Um, yeah. And in, in three years and, and with each new day, God gives um, renewed strength for every excitement and challenges. Yeah. I'm also interested to talk about you today. Um, what's mm -hmm. up with you and your life these days? What is What has been keeping your mind occupied? What's your recent passion or interest? Well, uh, life these days is quite uh, happily hectic and stressed. And parenting a toddler, toddler demands uh, all of me, you know, all of us, Qingdeng and I. And, and that has been pretty much what I'm doing. And since there is not much of people to rely on in terms of, uh, um, of taking care and raising a baby, I've been trying to read more books on parenting and marriage, uh, coupled with uh, trying to learn more about coffee and Lao culture and that has been my latest passion, yeah. So second to that, 
is undeniably music and I have been translating some great songs in Rongme lately and I really hope to record and release it for for some um, young people and if, so if they might be interested. Um, I definitely am singing every day, at least for my husband and daughter. <laughs> so thank God they love it. Uh, and oh, I have a group of little girls who would come and play at my house every day too. And I would sometimes let them sing as I play the keyboard. And, and they love doing that too. And so it's so hard to get one right note in a song that they're singing, but I'm hoping that we will get better someday soon. There is hope in music after all. We look forward to hearing some of your music in the near future. Sure, sure. I'm planning on some collaboration with some artists back home too. And it will always be a part of me. And so I can confidently say that I will keep coming. It will keep coming whether people like it or not. Before we close this episode, I thought we would just play one of your songs. And this song is called Kwerundri. Uh, ironically, we are ending this conversation with a song on nostalgia and mm-hmm. remembering our past. But can you talk a little bit about this song? Kwerundri, the title is actually based on a wrong way folk tale. And this is a perfect song about nostalgia. That's true. And it was written by Guimazi Bamai, and he is based in Delhi. And he's also been away from home for a long time. So I guess he has written it um, so perfectly to speak for so many nostalgic hearts. Yeah. A lot of people seem to like this song. And, and I love it too. I love this song too so much. I enjoyed recording. I enjoyed singing. Well, Azira, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Uh, thank you for telling your story. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank it was you. good to catch up with you and hear what's been going on in your, in your side. And we look forward to hearing more of you in the days to come. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm not afraid to die.